Good morning, Discovery. My name is Jeff. I'm a member of the teaching team here, and you can also find me uh, on Tuesday evenings with some wonderful people as a part of the Tuesday Night Discovery Group. Hey, before we begin, um, Steve took the opportunity a few weeks ago to thank all of the people that have allowed digital gatherings to continue to happen, but he forgot one pretty important person, uh, and that's himself. So before we begin this morning, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to Steve and his family for how they have endured to continue to make um, this happen. So I speak on behalf likely of all of Discovery in saying that we deeply appreciate how you've adapted and, and grown to continue to bring teaching and worship to us each week. Um, and before I derail, derail the service any further, uh, let me just pray for Steve and his family and for our time in the Word this morning. So pray with me, would you? Father, we come to you um, this morning with, with lament, um, acknowledging that the pandemic has gone on for um, close to a year now, and uh, we are tired, Lord. Um, we've asked continually for the end of this pandemic, um, and we are confident that you will uh, in your time, Father. But um, for a moment, we want to just thank you um, how, for how you've provided to continue to bring teaching and community and a sense um, of growth through this time, through these digital gatherings, Father. Um, I praise you for how you have moved through people to allow that to happen, um, and specifically Steve, um, as, as he has endured wildfires and the pandemic himself. And um, Father, I just, I pray and I, I thank you that you um, have led through him um, and you continue to sustain him and Amy and Marina and Cruz. Um, through this time. So I just, I thank you for him and his leadership. Um, I also just want to pray for our time in the Word this morning. Father, you are the giver of all wisdom, and uh, we know that we cannot find wisdom without your help, Father. So just enlighten us and um, just, just bless our time in the Word this morning. I pray all of these things in your Son's name. Amen. So last week we heard Steve introduce this new series on wisdom. And for these weeks, we're going to be diving into the book of Proverbs. And we're mostly going to focus on what it means to form into this character of wisdom. But this morning, we're going to dive into this character that we see mentioned over and over again. And that character is the fool. Now, Steve mentioned that Proverbs, unlike any of the book, other books in Western culture, uh, they do not move and it's not written in a linear fashion. The thought does not always build on the last one. And so that being said, there's not really just one passage for us to focus on this morning about being a fool. There are many reoccurring themes, many reoccurring verses of foolishness and folly throughout the book of Proverbs. So for this morning to start, let me just read a single verse in Proverbs 19.3. Uh, and then we'll dive into this theme a little bit more. So Proverbs 19.3 says, When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. In different ways throughout the Ark of Scripture, we often find ourselves comparing and contrasting characters. If you were with us through our series in 1 Samuel last year, you will remember that the comparison and contrast made between future King David and the current corrupt King Saul. We could see side by side the ways in which David was being formed into Israel's king and the ways in which David was being brought closer and closer into relationship with the Lord, all while we saw the undermining and the downfall of King Saul and how his insecurity and foolishness 
uprooted the kingdom from underneath him. Or in the accounts of the gospel, we often can see Jesus contrasted directly to his opposition, maybe embodied through the Pharisees and scribes. And the same is true about the book of Proverbs. Even though there isn't a linear path throughout the book, we still see this same pattern emerge, this comparison between the fool and the wise. So while we're in this broader orientation uh, series within wisdom, we'll largely learn about this posture of formation into wisdom. But for this one week, this, just this week, we are going to glance at this topic from a different perspective, from the deforming character, if you will, which we'll refer to as the fool. And before we look at some of the characteristics of being a fool, I think it's important to discuss definitions a little bit, um, before, so, so we're on the same page before we start. Now, folks that deal with data a lot will know the difference between a binary variable and a continuous variable. Binary variables are those yes or no responses. If you're a student and you're on campus, you've been taking those daily symptom surveys the last uh, several months and, and answering the question, have you been tested in the last seven days? That's a binary variable. It's a yes or no response. Whereas continuous variables are those like income, age, or number of double-doubles that you've eaten in the last month. On the left-hand side, you have zero, and on the right-hand side, you have James Collington. And if we're not careful here, we can view this determination of being wise versus being foolish as a binary variable instead of viewing it as a continuous variable, which I feel would be a mistake. And Proverbs actually speaks to this. Um, chapter 9, verse 6 says, Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the ways of insight. See, the writer describes it as a walk, not a destination. Now, I say this at the start of this conversation about fools because it might appear a bit strange, or even for some of us, it might strike a chord. We're here in a university town where many of our objectives, and including my own, is to gain knowledge. So to confront foolishness, to look it in the face, it might be a bit discouraging. But if you hang in with me there for a second, I think that there can be something in this message for all of us, no matter where we're at in that walk, um, and even a message of hope. So I mentioned earlier that there are a number of passages that mention the fool, and we could likely spend the better part of this message reading through all of the passages in Proverbs that mention foolishness. Maybe we could put it on a chart and describe the characteristics that are foolish and those that aren't. But instead, what I want to do is look at one single attribute of uh, the fool that's mentioned repeatedly throughout the book. And that attribute is this link between foolishness and anger, or being quick-tempered. Remember that phrase from 19.3. It says, a fool's heart rages against the Lord. Now, as a graduate student here in Davis, I've been wrestling with this thought the last few months, that if I don't act, nothing will get done. And this thought stems from the fact that I control the agenda when it comes to writing my dissertation. I can't just sit aside for five to six years and be awarded my PhD. I have to push forward and be productive. And now I imagine many of you in the discovery community can relate to this feeling. 
And I think of folks who work in small businesses or, or startups or pastors and missionaries, those who work in the medical field, or wow, parents, especially mothers in the last year. There's almost an endless amount of work to be done. And these are the thoughts that, and fears that sometimes drive me and maybe drive you to working too many hours in a week. And why I found the message on Sabbath a few weeks ago so convicting or so challenging to deal with. And now many of these professions are noble pursuits. I, I certainly think so. I've, I've chosen one. But this being sped up, this feeling that you're working against a ticking clock, it can drive, to, drive us to every aspect of our lives being sped up. Our actions or our reactions, our relationships or our decision-making or, guys, even our anger. And this is exactly what Proverbs describes as foolish. I also like the definition that a member of the teaching team gave about foolishness. They said, it's when a person adamantly believes the last thought that came into their mind. Think back to the way that you spent money as a child. I, for one, am certain that I spent money in some pretty foolish ways. The mall was also probably my favorite place to be growing up. And in particular, I loved baseball hats. So I would visit the Lids store every single time I went to the mall. Even whether I had the money or not to buy a new hat, I, I just wanted to go and scope out what was in stock, maybe check out for some new styles that would, would catch my eye. And I would be fixated on that new style for months until I could afford it. And as soon as the idea of having a cool hat entered my mind, I adamantly believed I wanted nothing else. Now, as we grow older, it becomes more of a pattern for our mind to think in longer periods of time, opposed to being quite so reactionary. And now this is why we've committed to this series and practices or the spiritual disciplines and, and why we are hopping back into that series this year. We invite the Lord into those situations and into our, our hearts to soften our hearts and to actively oppose those things which Proverbs describes as foolish. Let's look, also look at how this is personified in the person of Jesus. Now, much of the gospel accounts, we hear Jesus's teachings and, and we can visualize some of his actions and his characteristics. But only once does Jesus actually speak of his own heart. Now, this occurs in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. So let me read that account. Jesus says, Come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Dane Ortland, in his recent book, Gentle and Lowly, says it like this. Gentle and lowly, this, according to his own testimony, is Christ's very heart. This is who he is, tender, open, accommodating, understanding, willing. And if we're asked to only say one thing about who Jesus is, we would be honoring Jesus' own teaching if our answer is gentle and lowly. Now, last week we asked this question, what does your heart desire? And that this question of wisdom is ultimately a matter of the heart as opposed to a matter of the mind. And, and if Jesus desires for his heart to be gentle and lowly, 
and from that gentleness and lowliness springs life, shouldn't we that also be a model for us? Shouldn't we also seek after this posture of heart? Not only that, but we see this trend continue throughout the New Testament. Titus, in describing qualifications for church leaders, says, must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, and must be self-controlled and disciplined. 2 Peter chapter 1 tells us to supplement our faith with virtue, knowledge, and self-control. Now, frankly, there's a lot of things to be angry about in the world, and especially this last year. A couple of weeks ago, I had about the worst imaginable day of computer troubles. I restarted my computer seven or eight times. I read every help file I could online, but nothing was solving the problem. And on top of all that, this was after not having electricity for four days in the Great Davis windstorm. And now, in hindsight, these are perhaps some pretty small difficulties relative to those felt by others this year. But in the moment, I was defeated, I was desperate, and I was, I was frustrated. And this is just a small instance in which I experienced this re- recently. But if I think deeper, these moments come up all the time. When I see a driver driving through the streets of Davis, the dimly lit streets of Davis, without their headlights on. When the coffee cup leaks all over my hand. Or, recently, when the Chiefs lose the Super Bowl. Oof. That one still stings a little bit for me. But these moments are lurking in our daily lives. That moments that might cause us to be quick-tempered or reactionary, or cause us to be despairing and ask, Why, Lord? Or for us to rage against the Lord, as that verse in Proverbs says. But the hope here for us is that we can train that muscle of gentleness and slowness. And we don't have to act foolishly. Now, I want to step aside for a moment and talk about this topic from a little bit different of an angle. And because in reality, we will likely be faced with or have to respond to the foolishness of others much more often than we may have to confront our own foolishness. And perhaps what we've discussed so far maybe even brings some names or some experiences to mind. So it begs the question, what can we learn to draw, what can we draw from the book of Proverbs about dealing with fools? I recall last week Steve mentioned this passage uh, in Proverbs 26, this, this contradictory passage. Proverbs 26 verse 4, it says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him. And then verse 5 says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So what do we do with that? Look, I won't claim to know with certainty what is meant by these seemingly contradictory passages. However, what I do think is what is happening here is the observation that relationships and people, they're, they're messy. There's rarely a black or white answer in dealing with fools. And what it may require is just wisdom and discernment, or what some of us may re- refer to as orthocresis. It may require prayer and, and for us to bring these relationships before the Lord. Now let's think about our character Solomon here for a second. Solomon, the writer of many of these Proverbs that we'll, that we'll hear, um, we know him about this characteristic of, of wisdom. But he didn't just wake up one morning with wisdom. He had to ask for it. Hop back to 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7 for a second. Verse 7 says, And that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give to you. 
It goes on, verse 8, and Solomon says to the God, You have shown great and steadfast love to David, my father, and have made him king in his place, and made me king in his place. O Lord God, let your word of David, my father, be now fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come before this people, for who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? So guys, part of this dealing with fools, part of the wisdom in dealing with fools and discernment in relationships, or maybe other messy situations that we're in, the first step here is to follow Solomon and just ask the Lord for wisdom. Lastly, this morning, I want to look at some more practical ways in which we can be led to this heart of gentleness and away from that heart of anger. I mentioned King David in 1 Samuel earlier, but I think we do well to go back and look at one particular account, and this occurs in 1 Samuel 25. In this account, we have three main characters, David, Abigail, and Nabal, and you may recall this story from last year. We see Abigail and Nabal described in verse 3 as, Now the man's was name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. So again, we have Abigail, who is wise and beautiful, contrasted with the character Nabal, who is quick to anger and, in the words of his own wife, is a fool. And David, after being out in the wilderness with his men, sends some of his men to make a humble request for food to Nabal. Now, Nabal, in his folly, not only denies David of this request, but he mocks David's family's name in the process. David, as well as the audience, as we might, becomes enraged and engages 400 of his men for battle with Nabal. While all of this this is unfolding, Abigail catches word that her husband and David are preparing for destruction of one another. Abigail, being wise and discerning, meets David in his anger and his quick temper with a literal feast for his men and asks for forgiveness. Abigail, in beauty and wisdom, diffuses David's anger. In doing so, she guides David back to the path of wisdom. She embodies Proverbs 15.1, which says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When we dove into this account in 1 Samuel last year, I distinctly remember Steve mentioning that beauty is the opposite of anger. And when I first heard that contrast beauty and, between beauty and anger, I thought, really? Really, Steve, can that, be, can that be true? But over the last few months, I'm not sure there is a truth that has been further revealed to me than this one. Now step back into that story with me from earlier of my computer problems for a second. Now there's an end to that story that I purposefully withheld from earlier. Two things happened shortly after those computer problems. And while they didn't exactly fix the issue, they did guide me away from that path of anger and frustration back to a path of gentleness and patience. First, I ended up biking to my office on campus in an attempt to correct the issue, but to no avail. But to, while I was outside, I, I smelled the air, I heard the rustling leaves, I could see people and their dogs out on a walk. It reminded me of the lowliness 
compared to creation and our Creator. Secondly, I received a call over lunchtime, kind of randomly, from one of my best friends. And to hear a gentle voice and to have a listening ear was a reminder of the good gift that we have through community. We can certainly invite the Lord into those situations through the beauty of nature or by praying or just taking a moment to be slow. We can also experience this rejuvenation through the beauty and wisdom of others. That's the whole dialogue of Proverbs, guys. Chapter 4, verse 3 says it like this, When I was a son, my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Tender like a father. So seek out someone you consider wise and beautiful and listen to them. So more and more, I reflect on the scripture that we've chosen to dive into over the last year at Discovery or the series as which we've gone We've gone into. I see this common theme coming into focus. We dove into this reoccurring theme of the practices, which we've kind of subtitled formation in the way of Jesus. Now, these practices shape and mold our hearts to be more postured like Jesus's, which ultimately leads us from the path of foolishness to wisdom. We saw through David's life in 1 Samuel how this actually plays out, what it looks like to walk closely in step with the Lord and to oppose injustice and foolishness. We discussed in this countercultural culture series what it means to walk humbly, love mercy, and to do justice. All things that maybe oppose that quick, reactionary, achievement-driven society that we may be tempted to um, dive into that's all around us. And now through this journey of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Lamentations, This further just adds to this image of formation of our hearts. Now this morning we looked at this deformation through the character of the fool. And and perhaps this point this morning I, I painted maybe pretty bleak or pessimistic picture. That there's foolishness all around us and foolishness even in our own hearts. And in our journey towards wisdom we we may not be quite there yet. That's not necessarily an uplifting message. But guys, let's go back to that, those words of Jesus for a moment in Matthew um, chapter 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now we can take rest this morning in knowing that we have a Savior who is gentle and lowly. Have relief and grace for yourself that even in our own foolishness, we are not written off, but we are invited back into this path of formation. Now, as we continue to orient ourselves in this way of wisdom throughout our life and and through this series, maybe you fall into one of three camps. If you find yourself like me, always being asked more and more of yourself or your expectations for yourself always seem to outpace with what you can keep up. If you find yourself falling into this camp, can you identify those areas of your life? Maybe there are tasks or environments or or certain people that cause you to stumble into foolishness. 
And if so, can you also identify those activities or people that can help you recognize beauty and to slow down? Second, maybe you fall into this camp of people that seem to struggle with interacting with foolishness. You don't know how to deal with fools. Well, I'd invite you to be praying for those relationships and begin discerning what it is like and what it looks like to respond to foolishness in a healthy and wise way. Lastly, maybe you find yourself being frustrated by your own attempts to be wise and perfect. Maybe your attempts at forming wise rhythms, maybe even the practice of Sabbath, have already been thwarted in 2021. If you fall into this camp, have grace for yourself. We are not a binary wise or foolish classification, but we are on a slow path of formation. Knowing that that's how our Heavenly Father views us and how we should view ourselves is a much more hopeful view. Now we come to this point in the gathering to partake in the practice of communion together. And while we're all sitting in our different locations at home, as we have for um, the better part of this year, maybe this practice just doesn't have the same ambiance as it typically does in the theater when, uh, when the worship is, is being played and we can walk forward and take and when we're ready. But for this morning, I, I do challenge you to consider the beauty in this practice. Let your heart be stirred by Jesus' words this morning. Those words are, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said to them, Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it with you new in the kingdom of heaven. Drink it new with you in the kingdom of heaven. Discovery, let those words hang for a moment in your mind. And when you're ready, take and eat. Grace and peace, Discovery. Have a good week.